leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Wall Street's attention will turn to Chicago as the annual meeting of the American Society of Clinical Oncology gets underway June 3rd to June 7th. Though this is a scientific conference, it's one closely watched by investors who have been pouring through the abstracts that have been available and keeping an eye open for late breakers that could move stocks. We spoke to John Gardner, deputy news editor for EP Vantage, about the ASCO meeting, what the early abstracts say, and who will likely be making headlines at this year's meeting. John, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on today. ASCO 2016 kicks off in Chicago June 3rd. This is the annual oncology conference, but one that's perhaps more closely watched on Wall Street than in in labs. How would you explain ASCO to someone who's never been there and, and its importance to investors? The best way to describe it, I suppose, is as a scientific meeting that has uh, um, massive investment uh, um, uh, implications. Um, So many of the uh, so many of the studies that are released at ASCO will um, have a massive impact on 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 companies' um, sales and uh, evaluation going going out. You know, you know, five years or ten years that. One has to pay very close attention to the uh, data, and not not just the data, but how how they oftentimes uh, compare in uh, the the setting, first line, second line, third line, um, in 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 specific cancer types, um, be they uh, you know not just not just um, organ groups that that are affected by by cancers, but also within those cancer groups, various uh, uh, genetic mutations. So there are some very, very fine uh, uh, lines that one has to keep a, keep a close eye on, and, and and investors, you know, pay attention to, pay attention very closely to it. Go in very, very alert to the minute differences and uh, um, how they will affect uh, the value evaluation of a share and a company going uh, um, in in the week that follows ASCO. That's why you oftentimes see some massive. You know, movements of uh, you know billion dollars or more in even the largest companies, uh, um, as well as the very small companies. Several years ago, there there was a notable shift at ASCO away from the big stories being emerging biotechs to to big pharma. Is that the same case this year? Will big pharma dominate the news flow out of ASCO? 
I, I think that's the case, and, and, and one of the reasons for that, well, there's, I think there's a couple of things going on with ASCO uh, um, right now. Of course, there, the pipeline is still very, very full um, with some rather promising projects um, that only really late-stage data uh, um, can make it into a sort of a prominent position, a plenary session, or 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 a, a, a spotlight session, or a late-breaking abstract session. And, and by the time products are in that phase two, phase three product stage of development, if they have any promise at all, um, they've probably already been bought up by uh, uh, by big pharma. Uh, that said, you will see some, you know, some some people who have found some very interesting niches. I think, uh, um, uh, uh, in, in terms of the, the, the on the biotech side of things, um, who will also see some rather big share movements uh, um, in the in the days following ASCO if they haven't already. Uh, this, the second thing I think that's going on this year is uh, that the. A lot of the things that are being the, the really super early stage things that are that are that are being developed like right now, um, uh, for example, the modified T cell therapies that that are um, uh, you know aimed to turn on the immune system in various ways to fight tumors are are the ones that are in the hands of the biotechs still. Um, and there's a, a quite a lot of uncertainty about uh, about these about whether these these can succeed either clinically or commercially. And these so are the CAR T therapies from companies them. like Juno and Kite, or exactly the CAR, CAR T therapies. Uh, they they remain very much in the background at this point. And, and uh, what we're seeing this year, actually, in, uh, as far as my assessment of of the data that's that's been revealed so far, is. Um, uh, some very, you know, uh, proven approaches, kinase inhibitors, uh, uh, advanced chemotherapies, antibodies, but not in the not in that sort of immuno oncology space that has that have dominated the the, the headlines the last couple of years. Well, the, the, certainly immunotherapies still seem to be a, a hot area of news this year. Bristol Myers Squibb's uh, Opdivo and Merck's Keytruda are both already on the market and, and looking to target new cancers beyond their approved indications. These are both so-called PD-1 inhibitors. Are we expecting data that would speak to where we're going to see these expand their use? I, I, that, that, that's very true. Um, some of the data that we've seen on Keytruda and Opdivo, I think, uh, has been either hinted at pretty broadly, released at, at earlier conferences. Um, and I think that there's sort of this recognition that all of these, Keytruda and Updevo and some of the ones that are, are still in that sort of very late stage of development, like uh, Rush's atezolizumab, um, all kind of look the same and all will probably be used in very similar, you know, are, are able to be used in very similar settings. And I think uh, what what I'm waiting for, and I think a lot in the sector are waiting for in this immunoecology world, is data, our data, coming in, in the next six months, year, uh, two years, um, that reveal how they can be used in combination with various other approaches to sort of uh, take a double-barreled approach to, uh, to, to uh, uh, fighting cancer. Is that where their future lies, as combination therapies, do you think? 
I, I do think so because there, there are so many ways that that uh, um, you know that tumors you know can evade can can evade um, uh, standard therapies, as we well know. Um, standard therapies don't always uh, succeed. You know, very often will fail after a certain amount of time, and, and because because the the uh, uh, tumor cells you know develop these uh, evading um, uh, for better for lack of a better word, techniques. And when you can hit it twice, uh, not only hit it with a chemotherapy, for example, or hit it with a vaccine, but also uh, uh, to suppress uh, to suppress the, tu- the tumor and also use the, the the body's immune system to attack. There may be there may be more than just additive effects, and and I, I think that there there are so many so many um, uh, studies underway right now using uh, uh, combination therapies, you know, using an immuno, uh, immuno-oncology agent and something else that we're going to see uh, some really, really interesting stuff. Uh, it's just not quite to the same level as, uh, you know, that, that, that late stage, that phase three research that, uh, that, were, that is going to be revealed at ASCO. In breast cancer, Pfizer and Lilly are reporting data on CDK4-6 inhibitors these are expected to get some attention. How promising an area is this, and, and how is that market shaping up for those drugs? Well, um, of course, um, Ibrance, uh, which is the Pfizer drug, um, is already on the market and has, has actually um, uh, been a surprising success um, in, in the, its, its specific setting. Um, Abemacyclid looks... Uh, the the Lilly drug looks very similar, um, if not slightly better. Um, and there was some hope that perhaps as a single agent, um, uh, um, abemaciclib might have some promise. But it looks to be still a, a a drug that will need to be used in combination. So, is there data you'll be watching for there? Um, yes, uh, the I, I, I will. Be interested to see the uh, full readout of the abemaciclib uh, uh, single agent uh, uh, study, just to see um, if it could, in fact, be used. You know, if, if there is some some way for it to be used as as a, as a monotherapy. It probably won't be the case, but it, it'd be interesting to watch. Roche has a recently approved bladder cancer drug, Tecentric. This is a, a PDL1 inhibitor. How does this fit into the world of immunotherapies, and, and will there be data coming there? Um, yes, there there is. I'm I'm not certain uh, because the abstract I think is still under embargo. Um, what the bladder cancer data will reveal, um, it does have a featured place in in one of the main sessions. Much of this data has been. Uh, 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 has been disclosed already. I think they did uh, at the um, European version of ASCO. They did a big um, uh, uh, reveal on it last year. Uh, but it will be. It's always interesting to watch sort of the long term uh, uh, long term data on these drugs because of the promise of extending overall survival. And you know the you know, the longer follow up you have, the, the more the better idea you have of just how how good a drug and how well it will treat the, the patient group uh, for which it's intended. Bayer's anti-angiogenics Devarga had encouraging results in liver cancer, but it's 
being developed in soft tissue sarcomas. These are rare cancers, but ones without available therapies. What's the significance of that, and what's the outlook? I think I think the significance of it, if if, if a targeted therapy can be developed in soft tissue sarcoma, is is that in fact it's probably you know, first of all, there's been so little um, research done in soft tissue sarcoma over the years. I, I think the, the the treatments that do exist don't do very well, and I think they have uh, um, rather significant side effects. So to, to come up with a, a targeted agent that that can reduce the side effects and uh, improve the survival will be a really really big um, uh, deal for this patient group. Let me ask you about one more drug, AbbVie's uh, Rova-T. This is a drug for small cell lung cancer that acquired through the acquisition of Stemcentrics, a potential blockbuster. What do we know here, and, and what are people watching to see? This again was a, was data or data that were uh, were revealed at the uh, European Cancer Congress last um, September, and it frankly took me by surprise because first of all, I'd never heard of this drug, and secondly, I'd never heard of the company Stemcentrics um, that got this big featured place on a, a major major um, cancer con- congress. So small cell lung cancer, of course, the, um, the the focus is you know has been heavily on, on non-small cell ca- uh, lung cancer, and product um, which is a uh, antibody drug conjugate, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, um, did have uh, significant improvements over the standard of care, and I, I think to, to take a step back to the European conference. Um, it was surprising to see this this product that from a company that I, I don't think many people had heard of, and uh, and an approach that not too many people had heard about, uh, having such a success. Um, the data at that point were very compelling, but rather preliminary. I think this what we will see at ASCO will be a more complete data set with longer follow up, more patients, and will more or less affirm whether or not AbbVie made a good choice in when. When they decided to acquire Stemcentrics, I think the um, all the indications are that this is a good choice. Um, but it will be interesting to see if um, uh, if everything that uh, everything we believe to be true about uh, Robotty turns out to be true. A lot of abstracts have already been released, but there's often big news in the late breakers. Is there anything other than Robotty to watch for in, with the late breakers? I think there, there's. Um, some data on a product from Ganymed. I think that's I've, I've pronounced it correctly. Um, an anti-cloudin um, uh, um, antibody um, a mechanism that I don't know that I fully understand yet. Um, it being a private company, of course, uh, Ganymed Pharmaceuticals. That is, uh, they, they're not obviously not obligated to disclose publicly what. Uh, uh, all their all their data, and it could be as I mentioned with Stemcentrics, um, um, with at the European Cancer Congress um, last year, could be a similar situation to Rova uh, Rova T, where the data looks just so good that it instantly becomes a uh, takeout target, and we'll be hearing about um, the next round of, of uh, pharma uh, oncology based M and A based on 
what Ganymede uh, reveals at, uh, at ASCO. Any predictions on winners or losers, either as individual companies or therapeutic categories this year? Oh, that's always so difficult. ASCO is uh, ASCO is one of those one of those uh, conferences you can't go in um, making any assumptions. But uh, I'm gonna gonna be gonna go with a safe one and say that uh, immuno oncology, um, despite the fact that a lot of the news is being made by uh, um, uh, um, uh, some of the older uh, products, uh, kinase inhibitors and, and antibodies. I'm going to go out and limit say immuno oncology will still surprise, still show how uh, the, its importance in uh, the future of oncology. And I also will say that that I will also make a prediction and say that there are some proven approaches. Um, such as basic chemotherapies that have been used for years that still haven't been optimized. And we're going to find out some uh, certain things about uh, chemotherapy regimens and how they can be made better to improve oncology. John Gardner, Deputy News Editor for EP Vantage. John, thanks as always. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.